Special thanks to our promotional partners at the American Philatelic Society. The APS is the largest stamp collecting organization in the world, supporting collectors of any level worldwide. For more information about membership and APS services, visit stamps.org. I'm Charles Epting from HR Harmer in New York City. And I'm Michael Hortese of Noble Spirit in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. And this is Conversations with Philatelists. Now, Michael, we're dressed up. Yes. Because this is a huge week for philately, at least if you're watching this when the video premieres. Exactly. Um, there is one of the most monumental days in philatelic history, Yeah. Uh, the day after this video premieres. Yes. And we are all dressed up because we are going to uh, have a small part in this unbelievably exciting event. Yeah. Um, we're here at the office, at the H.R. Harmer office in New York City right now, but yeah. we're about to leave. Why don't you tell people where we're going? So we are heading up to 72nd Street at Sotheby's. They are selling the One Cent Magenta, the only plate block of four inverted Jennies, and four of the coin people of the world, the 1933 Double Eagle. Which is unique in private hands, has a great history that involves the Supreme Court and all sorts of stuff, but that's far outside the scope of this podcast. What right. we are really excited about, and I'm sure what most of the people listening to or, or watching this are, yeah. uh, are excited about, are these two philatelic items. You have the, yeah. the one cent magenta from British Guiana, which is the most famous, the rarest, the most expensive, whatever superlative you want to use. Yeah. That is this stamp. And then you have the, the plate block of the inverted Jenny, which, I mean, the inverted Jenny is the most famous American stamp. Yes. Argu I don't think arguably it, no, it, it is. No, it is. Yeah, yeah. And here you've got the unique plate block of four. Um, certainly one of the most iconic items of American philately, plus mm -hmm. the most iconic item of worldwide philately. Yeah. Um, these these three things, the coin and the, the block and the stamp, um, to have them under one roof, let alone in one sale, yeah. is unheard of. And the fact that we are able to head up to Sotheby's, and again, I don't know exactly what to expect. Right, we, yeah, that... we, we've, we've been working on this for a while. We've been really excited to share this with people. Yeah. Um, and, and we hope everybody likes it, but we don't really know what we're getting into. Yeah, so so Robert Scott invited us invited us up. He Correct. said, just come and uh, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. We set, exactly. We set up this appointment a while ago, and then and then we got back into it. it it's been, again, a long time in the making. Yeah. Uh, it was one of those things where I didn't really want to ask questions. I just said, yes, we'll be yeah, there. Exactly. Uh, and then figure out what we're doing once we once right. we get there. Right. Um, but again, this is something we've been working on for a long time. We're really excited to take everyone with us. And yeah. um, it's just about time. I say we head up to 72nd yeah. Street. I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's exciting because we don't know what we have in store. Uh, Let's anything, do it. Anything could happen. It absolutely could. All right. Let's go find out. Let's go. First time I saw this stamp, it was on DuPont's album page. You know, we go back to that institutionalization. If it goes that way, you may be the last people that will see it with a see it in the flesh, which you've got to kind of do. The color's different than the, 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 you can't you cannot no. photograph it. No. Yes. And even seeing it, I mean, it was amazing at the Smithsonian. It's almost got, you know, I mean, the patina on it. It's yeah. like somebody baked crust on it. Again, at the Smithsonian, you couldn't tell. No, that's that that's why I think the first time I spoke to you, I said you can't explain it. Seeing the words one cent is. Yeah. I saw photographs of the, of, uh, what was his name, Peter, the German guy that people think is it? I can't remember, that had the second copy. Oh, yeah. Which is. It's so wrong, it's not true. <laughs> Although the funny thing is doing the research because there was a fight back in the mid-19th century, well, the late late 19th century, between Judge Philbrick 
um, who was the person that said it doesn't exist, it's mm -hmm. not to force it, it yeah. doesn't exist, it doesn't exist. The fake one was the one that he was looking at. Yeah. Because Philbrick yeah. could never have seen it before it went to France for 40 years. Right. Which is, and the, the parallels between the stamps are amazing because yeah. the Jenny, for instance, was famous yeah. after it was, the ink was almost still wet. Yeah. It was famous within yeah. 10 days of it going from design to being printed. Exactly. This took from 1856, first of all, for the first, I don't know, uh, 70 years. Nobody even knew it existed. Right. For the right. next 40 years, it was just a rumor. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it showed up, which was quite the most amazing thing. And now it's almost a symbol of the, the hobby itself. And it it's is amazing that of all the unique stamps, this is the one that took yeah. off. This is. This and, but I think that, that was the reason. It was because it's got such the backstory. It's so shrouded in mystery because mm -hmm. it was a case of does it exist? Doesn't it exist? Maybe it exists. Yeah. Sporadic appearances in catalogs. You know, when it first appeared in catalog, it, you know, it was priced at a thousand pounds used. <laughs> Two thousand pounds mint. <laughs> I'll have two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th this is the one that maybe that you can believe the stories. You know, the one that he carried around. We had a good little player. Which is funny that he was so adverse to publicity, and yet that story circulated. I'd love to finish the real story of. Have you read Wolfgang Mawson's book on it? Yes. Well, I cringe for it quite liberally. <laughs> Because it's, I mean, it's a fascinating story of, I mean, there's no two ways about it, again, living in Paris, in Italy, which was the only place where he could live. Um, and was probably the reason why he stopped traveling, because there were nasty little rules in place. But the fact that he dressed like a pauper, which of course is the parallel to Colonel Green's Hetty Green and all the rest yeah. of it. And there's that one photo of Ferrari that gets circulated so much. That's such a haunting stuff. Yes, exactly. That sort of the sunken eyes. Exactly. <laughs> that, that picture, I think, a lot of his legacy though to that image of him. But well, in the other book, of course, there were different images. There were right. different images of him, and so you get an idea. But the stories about the cab drivers, you know, you hear it. But you can take too many trips before it was like, oh, all of these bags of money. And I don't think we can fathom as well. I really don't. The other thing I love about this, I'm a New York World's Fair fan, the 39 World's Fair. I love all World's Fair. That one in particular, my grandmother, my grandmother was there as a young girl. I have a poster of the British Pavilion. Yeah. It's a big poster of the Penny Black mm. for the stamp act. It was the centennial poster stamp. Yes, it is. And the fact that this was there at that fair where this poster was. And you think of the picture of Andy Levitt with it, and you think of Oh, Weinberg was it? Did you know? Did you? Was he just about around as you? Were I just in? missed him. He um he owned H.R. Harmer. He was part of that whole yeah, the, the, yes, the, the great Manning and yes. things. I have all as we used to <laughs> yes. call them. Uh, I missed Andy, but I've heard more stories about him than just about anyone else. He would have been a fabulous teacher because he really and he straightened a lot of people out. Yeah. He believed in a lot of hard work and knowing a subject. I had all the time in the world for him. And he was my immediate predecessor at Southern. Oh. Um, there were so many good stories with Andy. And I've, all, I've, I've, all, all the characters. Because I was rather lucky because I started in the, obviously I started in the 80s. Well, not obviously, I'm old, but I'm not that old. But I, I started with Robson Lowe and I spent a lot of time with Robson. I've heard a lot of stories about him. And 
Oh, yes. And talk about what's the best description of Robson, though. If you didn't know the history of it, he could pretty much think of something on the spur of the moment. Which, <laughs> which bit of the game fellows going for? So December of 2015, I was invited to attend Monaco Phil. I had only been collecting for a year or two at that point. I was a fish out of water. I had no idea what I was doing, surrounded by the world's greatest collectors. And I was standing in the lobby of the Hotel Hermitage one night, um, just standing there looking lost. And a gentleman walked over to me and he said, are you here for the stamp show? I thought, seems nice. I said, I am here for the stamp show. How about yourself? And he informed me he was. And he said, what do you collect? And I, you know, trying to act like a big shot, trying to impress someone. I said, I collect the 1933 National Recovery Administration stamp that was issued by Franklin Roosevelt. It's a little three cent purple stamp. And I go on to describe this stamp, which any philatelist will tell you is not very valuable and, and not the most uh, significant from a postal history standpoint. But here I am going on and on about how much I love my cheap little stamp. And a gentleman says to me, well, I own something from 1933. And I said, all right. Like, I, I, I had no idea who he was. I had no idea what he was talking about. Mm. He said, but it's not a stamp. No shoes, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, he said, it's not a stamp. It's a coin. Mm. And I was like, I did a lot of coins from 1933. That's not... Like, I, I still wasn't catching on. Yeah. And he said, it's the um, Walking Liberty Double Eagle. And I said, but there's only one of those. <laughs> yeah, but you knew enough to know. <laughs> yeah. I, that's like, the only thing I know about coins is this coin. And he says, there is only one, and it's, it's mine. Mm. And I... I, don't know, I didn't really believe him. Mm. And he says, what do you think of my stamp? And I said, well, which one is yours? <laughs> and he says, well, it's the one cent magenta. And then it all clicked. All the puzzle pieces came together. And I said, you're Stuart, aren't you? And he sort of laughed and he said, I am. And I apologized for, you know, blathering on about my cheap little stamp when he owns the greatest stamp of all time. And he was so kind. And he said that was why he enjoyed going to Monaco was to me. People who, okay, absolutely. And, and, and again, the fact that he approached me. So I went and told all of my friends that Stuart Weissman owns the mm. double eagle because I thought this was public knowledge. And I mm. even Googled it after and I couldn't find anything. But I thought, oh, well, my. so what was really funny, one of my good friends is the editor. You were actually way ahead of the game. So one of my friends is the editor of Blend Stamp News mm. and Coin World. Who is editing? Jay Bagalki. Okay, I know the name. He, um, and, and Coin World is their sister publication. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, exactly. So on the day this was announced, mm. all the Coin World people come in saying, we didn't know that Stuart owned the coin. This is incredible. And Jay said, I've known this for years. <laughs> and could have scooped Coin World. Mm. And he called me. He goes, were you the one who told me that? And I said, mm. yes. He goes, well, who told you? I said, Stuart. <laughs> Which is kind of the greatest get out of yeah. all time. Yeah. You know, he, um, it's one thing that he actually does. At the time, and for a couple of years afterwards, he was known within Sotheby's with just a, uh, a two-word moniker, Mr. Big. <laughs> yeah, he was Mr. Big. Um, and they did different, a few people did know, but it was kind of sworn to secrecy. Mm -hmm. And David knew, David knew sooner. David had guessed because he met him straight after the sale and then eventually put two and two together. But the thing that gave it away for most of the coin people was when it was on display, uh, historical society, the coin? historical society and the, and and the, the Jenny. Jenny. Um, it was right next to, uh, as some dealer said, well, it was right next to a, a big thing with a shoe on it with this, that, and the other. <laughs> 
Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, I've made the leap. Has everybody else yet? First time I saw this stamp, it came out of DuPont's, um, it was on DuPont's album page. And, <laughs> and how did he have it mounted? Was it just in a, in a mount? It was, no, it wasn't in a mount. It was hinged to the sheet. I pulled it off, I pulled it off the page and then I pulled <laughs> the stamp, the hinge off the stamp. Oh no, it gets better. Because we hadn't got really, you remember, don't you? We got really, um, uh, well, I guess fussy over it. Must be but we didn't have it. Only people with the, the honor of selling the stamp twice, right? Uh, no, Seagulls did it, but it was technically, it was really Andy Levitt the first time. And Bob the And Bob Seagull the second. This was, yeah. this was created and it goes into a little Moroccan leather box that comes with it at enormous expense. They couldn't cut the hole the right size so the stamp doesn't move within the mount. Mm. So I had to mount it in this little sheet. To prevent it from slipping. To prevent it from going. Okay, well, we can't do... Right, you get to look at it. And you can see the little sort of lightened spot there with a little bit of a hinge still on it. Yeah. And... Even compared to... Yes, it's a different it, it, Well, this is why you had it's the first thing I said, you've got to be able to look at it. But as I said, you know, we go back to that institutionalization. If it doesn't, if it goes that way, you may be the last people that will see it with a, see it in the flesh, which you've got to kind of do. That's incredible. Even and, the variation. And as you color. say. Oh, geez. It looks like a different stamp. It does. It's, a, it's a whole different animal. And of course, eventually, I suppose, you know, well, once we're long gone, it'll become like the Stanley Cup. They'll run as a room. And then there's more stamp. a little yeah. secondary. Yeah. And here's the other thing. Look at this. So the color's bleached out through here. Mm -hmm. This is a tide mark where the inks spread. Was this because it was connected by a wafer? Um, which, because it's not exactly all the same right, way around, you think that maybe that's the case. And then where they actually nicked the wafer, because the surface, because obviously it's a contact transfer that's given right. the color on the back between the surface coated on the previous sheet. Um, or is it because when it was stuck down over 17 years, it was in tropical heat, did the edges lift as it was over the years? Mm. Continuously dried, humidified, dried, humidified, dried, humidified, and it was sort of flat. And you can see how the ink sort of drifted to the bottom, yeah. but there's a trace of ink right at the bottom here. So you can imagine the stamp was, this was the top, this was the bottom. You know, there's still an awful lot one can do with it. It's incredible, yeah. as much as we know how much we don't know about, I mean, even reading about it, that they don't know when the corners were cut off. I don't think there's a take on it. If you look at all the, because they don't take, I mean, there's so many that are photographed, almost, to my knowledge, all of the cut corners are um, ED white. So you've had five different people, five different types they do, but it seemed that white was one of the cut corners. I'll give you a reason for it. Because the mail was obviously put in sacks and it was gone. Say they did stick them down with wafers. If they were square corners, he may have noticed that the stamps occasionally got and got pulled off. If you take the corners off, mm. the stamp doesn't catch. Same shape as the wafer. wafer. Right, exactly. Same shape of the wafer, but also if two pieces of paper come together, if yeah. there's a 90 degree corner, it's so easy to get under it, which could lift it. 
and he probably figured if you cut it around the corners, then it widens the angle. The chance of actually getting a, a lift off yeah. is, is much smaller. But they're almost all, you'll notice, because it's like regular, regular, regular wide cut, oblique cut. They're, almost all of them are that way and so way. So it's like, you know, you can imagine him cutting it round. Yeah. Um, that's my take on it, but there's many more. I'd also like to know what the dye is, because it's a naturally produced, it's a British dye on the dark, mm. which is the front of the scent. And it's got a lot to do with the fact that it's, um, it's so true in a lot of ways. I mean, the front has obviously been, it's been baked, essentially. Um, but the paper, paper, you look at it really carefully, you can see the, the line, the ribbing lines on it. Both, both horizontally and vertically, and it's still crisp. There's nothing wrong with that. It's absolutely. Well, I, I don't think the solid. photography has ever done it justice. I think this time around is the best it's yeah. ever been. That's not a bad. No, yeah. and, and even the, the pictures of the three items together, the yeah. one in the front, those were yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And this here is dates from Dupont. You can see the tiny little bit of a hinge. When we sent the first photographs out, this inch was that much bigger. Yeah. Really? I pulled it off. <laughs> <laughs> which is which improved the look of that a little bit. I quite like the block. We we debated amongst ourselves if we had the money which we would prefer. And didn't you say the block? I I I'd say the block. And I said Go for the big one. Yeah. yeah. So there would be no fighting between us. Yeah. But what? He's at last. <laughs> greatest item of all time. What is it? Philatelically? Yeah. Are you going to say the Bordeaux cover? Of course. <laughs> it's the only thing I want to sell now. Really? I just like to write the catalog. It's it's the same argument that David has about coins. As stamp collecting is about this and. Yeah. You interact with them. It's very difficult to just stop putting things behind. This is just unreal. And you see the funky. Did you? Did you? I'm keeping about the block. What's that? What is this? It's just magnetic. Oh, much different. <laughs> so it's the same thing. And I will tell you that even though I've written the catalog, I've done this, and you've seen me play with the Jenny because I love the Jenny, which has got a lot, sorry, the British guy on it, mm -hmm. because I've got familiarity, breeds contempt, this being the second time around. <laughs> this is as close as I've got to it. Really? I don't take it anywhere near the plastic. Yeah. Is it square? I'm willing you do that. So much pressure. I mean, he, he um, was the buyer of this ultimately, right? <laughs> not entirely. Yeah. So, Did you see uh, the pencil marks on the back? The one with all Eugene Klein's pencil marks. Very, very neat. Yeah. Incredible. Pretty printing. Funny creases that yeah, exist yeah. on all of them that you never really see them on the back. On the yeah. back. Yeah, and it doesn't show through to the front at all. No. It's... No, and I gave up with hinged mid. No, they're never hinged. I think that's caused more problems than it's mm. done good over the years. Yeah. They look fabulous from the front. Yeah. yeah. That would just about do it. Okay. Line a little butter up. 
the thing is, the mount's not really straight, is it? Not really good enough. I really think that's good enough, yeah. It looks good. The secret is now getting that without the static. Perfect. Oh, look, I'm getting better. <laughs> there you go. Good luck. Yeah, good luck Monday. Or Tuesday. Do you have your catalogs? We haven't. Uh, well, you will be getting more, but I'll, there's one of each. Wow, fantastic. Um, thank you, Ella. That was lovely. Thank you. Stuart couldn't sign this one. No, well, you know, there, there is actually there's a coin. This was designed by Augustus St. Paul, mm -hmm. and he died before it was finished. And there was this super high relief version that was made as, a, as the pattern. Um, and he had died. And Roosevelt loved the high relief, but it wasn't didn't make any sense. Didn't stack. It didn't stack, and they couldn't use it. But Roosevelt liked so many that they had about ten or twenty made, and they were given to dignitaries, or not really given, but you you could buy them. And Augustus St. Gordon's widow said, "You know, I don't have one." And this was in a year after he died, so she got in touch with Teddy. And Teddy immediately said, "Well, she's got to have one." And the order went to the Secretary of the Treasury. Um, and which I loved, he said, give her one of ours from the federal collection or make another one. Wow. So they gave her one of the ones that the government held. She paid $20 for it, plus 12, 12 cents for shipping and handling. <laughs> and what she did was that she put her initials, she etched her initials on the rim. Wow. Really? See, we can't have anything original. And and but the problem is normally that would be considered defacing a coin. We don't have right. you know the, the British Ionic used, used to be treason in Exactly. And so you couldn't do that. Because it was St. Gordon's wife, the grading services looked the other way. And it was recently sold for two and a half dollars. He's my favorite sculptor of all time. Oh, oh yeah. I, I he a, was. I have a statue of the Diana of the Tower oh, in wow. my house that I got, but well, the Met reproduced yeah, yeah, the yeah. one that I, oh, that I keep with me. He's the he's the greatest of all time. Yeah, and there's some great books on it. And I, when I was researching, he lived right. Michael's from New Hampshire. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So we were dying to go to his place. Oh, you should. I, um, I'm waiting until my girlfriend can. Actually, I think well, they used to run a um, they used to run a a little video introduction to the because they did a PBS did a, a documentary. Um, you know, I am showing my age. It must have been at least 10 years ago. Maybe which I, means it's probably 20. Which means it's probably 20. <laughs> and I was interviewed for it. And then they took the outtakes of mine and they ran a loop on the development of the coin design. But they, they still run, I think, up, up, up mm -hmm. there. Um, but it's, they have all the original plasters for the design. So you could see how his thought process changed as he was going through it. And, First she had wings, then she didn't have wings, and you know he didn't want to clutter the design with unnecessary information. So he left and got the trust off the back. Well, when the coin first came out, this created a firestorm there in Congress. Because apparently Teddy, Ro Teddy Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt thought it was blasphemous to carry God's name in your pocket. He went to battle. He lost, and so in 1908. They don't say God we trust on the reverse, but from 1908 on, they do. The story of the 33 itself is just, it's 
um, as Cole Porter would say, two, two, two to be. Yes. Uh, it is just, I mean, it's got everything. It's got crooks, it's got criminals. There you go, too, like Cole Porter, too. <laughs> yeah. It's all the right time to do it. But it's got, I mean, just, you know, you got crooks, you got the Secret Service, you got Roosevelt, you got um, Sting at the Waldorf Astoria, where Cole Porter lived. Um, court case uh, that went to the Supreme Court over it. And it's, no Hey, how can you yeah. like this one? Yeah. Pack it well, I've got to. <laughs> it's, it's, I've, I've kind of lived with it for 20 years. So uh, Stuart got to pay for it, and I got to. I got to. Although we have to remember that David is only 45 years old. So 20 true. years living with the coin <laughs> actually has its. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's kind of. Um, it's. I mean, both these things have tried to kill us, haven't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, very quite much. literally. Very much. Yeah. I mean, the, there was a court case in Philadelphia over another batch of these that turned up that the government said was, they were stolen and they were. I hate to say it. I told them your expert. Oh, you oh okay. Yeah, the okay. Ju- I told them the judge's comment, which was what? the greatest expert witness testimony he had ever. He also said it was no. What, what he really said was the longest he's ever had. <laughs> and wonderfully self-effacing too. <laughs> David, we've got to get on. Yeah. Okay. All right. Wonderful Thank seeing you. Pleasure meeting you. Pleasure you. So much. And you know, buy the stamp, and yeah. then you know you can hire Bob in twenty years to read that one, <laughs> or do it yourself. You know that. Excellent. Okay. Really. Wow. I don't know. Thank you enough for this opportunity. It's been an absolute pleasure. You as well. I would love to touch base after the sale. No, yes. absolutely. No, no, do that. I'll send you all my details. You've got my email anyway. After the sale is over, once it's sold, once the dust has settled, yeah. could we interview you via Zoom about I, what I, happens? I'd love to. Well, by name, we can probably just. Or in, if, if, if we did yes. something, again, after it's all done, we'd, we'd love to, yes. to do that with you. Absolutely. I'm sorry we didn't get it done before. But mm. Again, after, I think afterwards would even yes. get better. We've got yeah. this. Yeah, to go again. If you wouldn't mind taking a couple of minutes, that would be much be, be more than happy. I would be more than happy. Lovely. Thank you so much. Michael, normally, I don't even know what to say. Normally, in our outro, we'd sort of wrap things up. Yeah. But after spending an hour in the presence of the ones at Magenta, um, not behind glass, not even behind a mount. Like, right. like Yeah, that was incredible. It's one of those things I truly cannot really wrap my head around, and I can't put into words what an experience like that means to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my philatelic journey started really the last time it was sold in 2014. Yeah. Um, that was sort of like the the big news going on when I entered the hobby. And, yeah. and it, the stamp has always meant a lot to me because it you know gave me something to talk about with people when I started collecting. So, yeah. th- you know, something that has, I, you know, you've, you've always followed it. You, you, know, you read the books about it. You read the articles about it. Um, and then to see the auction catalog yeah. and, and just know that it's going to be coming up. Um, I think there's instructions in the back on how to bid in case you want to get your bid ready for tomorrow morning. Um, yeah. But but again, again, the, the the plate block is obviously phenomenal. The the Walking Liberty Double Eagle 1933, obviously yeah. phenomenal. But the magenta, what, what and, and what stories by by Mr. Scott himself, and oh. you can tell the passion and he's put in an incredible amount of work into building these so catalogs. When I spoke to him the first time, he was about to write these catalogs, and yeah. he said, if they don't kill me, I'll call you back. Yeah. And I'm really <laughs> glad, but you can yeah. see the amount of, of labor and love that, that went into I mean, this is one, things. this catalog is for one stamp. Is for one stamp. And this is never going to leave our bookshelves in the office. Yeah, this these, is incredible. These are, these are catalogs we keep forever. So, 
to be in the presence of greatness like that, yeah. I, I I don't know. It's like watching um, Eric Clapton play guitar or like watching yeah. Willie Mays play baseball or something. Being in the presence of the greatest stamp, the most famous stamp. Again, any superlative you want to use, yeah. that stamp fits the bill. And to have um, to have gotten to spend some time with it, and and to have been able to take people along with us, yeah. uh, you know, through through uh, this whole process of going to Sotheby's and and you know, again just laying eyes on it so close, mm-hmm. um, I really enjoyed it. This is a day I will never forget as yeah. long as I live. Absolutely. And I just want to extend a huge thank you to everybody again watching or listening to this. Thank you for joining us. We always appreciate the support. Uh, again, I don't, I don't even know what to say in in conclusion, but yeah. just a huge thank you to Sotheby's to Bob Scott. Uh, to Ella Hall, who who joined us from Sotheby's. Yeah. Um, this was just this was an unforgettable one, and uh, we hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we hope you'll join us again real soon. Absolutely, thank you.